Hi there, I'm Sarah Zarella, a portrait and wedding photographer and your host for Wedding Secrets Unveiled. This is a podcast where we cut through the complexity of wedding planning, leaving you with everything you need to know direct from the industry experts. If you want to simplify your wedding planning while having fun, of course, you came to the right place. Join me while I guide you through your planning, starting from your engagement to your big day where you say, I do. After photographing for the past 18 years, I am sharing with you tips and tricks to cut through the excess noise because I believe from the moment you said yes, your planning experience should be a magical time in your life. Here you'll find episodes that are fun, stress-free, and straight to the point with a fresh, honest take about the reality of what you really need to know about planning your perfect day. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. Do you have a vision of your event space? You walked around and you did site tours. You committed on a location in a space. Now what? For your vision, do you know where to begin? Colors, decor, vendors, to help you transform your space into the ideal wedding location with your stamp and your style. Join me as I chat with Caitlin Haynes on today's podcast episode. Caitlin is the owner and creative director of Gathered East and will be sharing with you all the tips, tricks of design, and how to budget for what is more impactful for you when you're transferring your wedding location into your dream location. She's going to chat about design, what you should be spending your money on, and what to budget for based on your venue. Is your venue tented or non-tented? Do you know where to even begin? Well, after today's episode, you'll have a great starting point and have a good handle on how to transform your venue and location to your dream vision. I hope you enjoy today's episode with Caitlin and myself. So Caitlin, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and what you do in your business? Sure. So I am Caitlin Haynes. I am the owner and creative director at Gathered East, and we serve couples all around New England. So Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, mostly we stick to the shoreline, but we do also serve New York as well. Um, And we do anything from month of coordination to full service coordination. But as the owner, I mostly handle full service coordination clients with design. So how did you get into it? I worked at Mohegan Sun for about eight years doing events, large-scale events there, so gala, celebrity events in the arena, and um, kind of pared it down. And I loved loved that aspect of it, but I helped plan my sister's wedding, and that kind of jump-started my career in wedding planning. In wedding planning. And here you are. I know. So much fun. So tell me a little bit about Gathered East. Like, what do you guys specialize in? Yeah, so we mostly focus on weddings. Uh, We do other events, but we mostly focus on weddings. Um, And like I said, we serve New England, but we do everything from month of to event design, full service. So we have clients that come in, you know, at certain points of the planning process, and we can kind of step in and help them based on where they're at. I think today, though, we're going to specialize a little bit and more talk about about the design aspect. The of fun what you stuff. Do. Yes. Yes. I'm this ex- is the part where all of my couples are like, "Can we get to the fun part, please?" It's like that TikTok. You know what I mean? Can we get to the good part? That's where this comes in. So tell us. Let's talk design. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, you start you start out with a budget. So, you know, our clients come to us, and first thing we chat about is budget. So, where are you? Are you in the hundred thousand range, two hundred? Are you under that? Are you in the seventy five, fifty? So, you know, depending on where you are with your budget, um, is kind of where we start. So, obviously, your venue eats up a lot of that budget, forty to fifty percent on the higher end, and then we kind of break it down into each category. So I would say that's where you need to start is budget. That is every planner will tell you, you know, you can't start design without going into the budget. But say you you have a good idea on your budget and you know, you know, I have this much for florals, I have this much for rentals, lighting, et cetera. This is where the fun part is. So Caitlin, you say a little bit about budget, but where do they start? Right. So first you want to obviously sit down with your family and fiance and see who's contributing and then you get an overall budget. So what can you spend on the day? Then you kind of break that down into categories like does this budget include stationery, your rings, hair and makeup? And then you kind of break it down from there percentage wise, which is super important. Hiring a planner kind of during this process is very important because they can help you with all that. 
Um, but I would say, you know, budget is number one. And then you kind of can see what you have left for florals. You know, if you've spent 40 to 50 percent on catering, you know, and you ha- your budget's $100,000, you want to spend 10 percent of that on florals. So you have $10,000 left on florals. So that's kind of where you need to start is to see what you have in each category before you even start working on a design because you don't want to go into a design with you know, a Pinterest board of unrealistic expectations and and ideas that you want, but then you only have four grand left for florals. But you want this gorgeous ceremony arch covered fully in white florals, you know, that's unfortunately not going to happen. So that's kind of where you want to start is see what you have for your budget. For your budget. So let's say now they they got their budget now and they pick their venue. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about design now. Right. Where do they start? So what do you do with your couple's to get them starting to think about the design. Yes. So super helpful is to walk the space again. You walk the space, you visited your venue, you know, whether it was a backyard and you're doing tented or say you visited the Rose Cliff and you you fell in love and you booked it. Great. Go back and see it with a fresh perspective, with a design perspective. So you go back and look at look at the carpeting, look at the walls, look at the ceilings. Like, do, are the ceilings high enough if you want to do chandeliers or not? And then ask questions, too, at the venue, like, can I hang chandeliers? Can I hang drapery? Because a lot of venues, they have historical, you know, they're, you're not allowed to kind of do certain things there because of historical um, protocols. Protocols, exactly. So... I think it's very helpful to go back to the venue and see the space, take a ton of photos. And then from there, you go home and take a look at Pinterest and on Instagram of weddings that have happened in that venue. In the venue? In the venue. Look, I'm so happy you brought that up because speaking just on a photographer's point of view, mm-hmm. they, people send me um, inspiration pictures. Oh, my gosh. I, yes. And <laughs> I love them, but it's different area of the country it's a different lighting so sometimes season it's a different it's snowing it's and you're getting married in july you know so so i think it's very important that you just there's a great tip for our Mm -hmm. listeners is go walk the space take a ton of pictures and then go on pinterest and instagram and the web and start looking at that venue correct yes look at the venue and see what you can do and see what works in that space then from there, you kind of want to have blinders on because you really, if, if say you're not doing a tented wedding and it's inside at, say, the Belmare, wherever, but you love how, you know, the lighting is, it's bistro light. Well, you can't do that. In the, you can't hang anything from the ceiling. So why are you looking at that photo? So you really kind of want to have blinders on and focus mainly on the venue that you've selected and, and go from there. That's a great point. So once you have that design inspiration board, mm-hmm. where do they go with that? So, yeah. So after we visited the space, we kind of have our clients go in and pick three inspirational photos for your ceremony, for your reception, florals. You probably have a Pinterest board. <laughs> I get clients Pinterest boards of like hundreds of photos. And it's like, you know, at one point in time in the early process, they loved color. Now they only want white and green. So it's like go back in, clean that all out, start a new Pinterest board that has just like three photos, like I said, of the venue that you love from a wedding that they did there, a couple of floral inspiration photos, and then some ceremony inspirational photos. That's a great tip. So they take their they mm-hmm. take their gazillion ideas. Right. And then you ask them to bring narrow three, down. Three and three. Right. Yes, exactly. It kind of helps clutter your head. You know, there's so many. It's insane the amount of inspirational boards, photo Pinterest now. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse because I have clients who are changing all the time because they're like, oh, I saw this. I love that. And I'm like, okay, but that does not go with anything that we've selected. So what about that did you love? What about that photo did you love? Was it because there's a ton of candles? Did you love, you know, the lighting? I have a lot of clients too that send me photos and I'm like, that's all uplighting. This whole, the reason why you love this photo is the uplighting, the candlelit warmth. You love that feel of like, cozy, intimate, you can create that. So yeah, it's very helpful to kind of pare down your ideas and kind of get down to like the three top picks. But I think also too, kind of it's by doing this 
process that you're explaining, it's allowing them to understand what they like about that image. Because mm-hmm. they Correct. may just like it and they don't know why. Right, exactly. Or they don't know what is happening in that image that they're gravitating to. So you start to see a, like a theme is what you're right, saying. Right, exactly. A theme. And like I said, for sure, um, you know, looking at each photo kind of helps. It, it might be just a napkin. Like they're like, I absolutely love the color of this napkin. This blue could be my something blue and it could tie in with certain things or whatever. Or you see another photo and it's it's like I said, the candles, you love that feeling of being cozy and warm and it's just a ton of candles or the lighting. I love it. So now yeah. you've gotten it down to three photos, then what? So yeah, after that, it's kind of, if you haven't hired a planner, so after that, what you kind of want to do is then go back to your budget and say, okay, so I only have five grand for florals. You know, most florists are around 10,000. Kind of most florals in this area have a minimum due to it being, you know, this is prime wedding location, Rhode Island, Connecticut area. Um, so you want to see, like, if you only have five grand for florals, maybe you don't spend that money on florals. Maybe you just do bouquets, simple things, and then on your tablescape, it's a ton of candles. So we had a wedding this past fall where a client didn't really have a ton of room for florals. She didn't have a big budget, but she was just like, I need, I want drama in the space. Like I want the the space to feel romantic and cozy. I'm like, okay, great. We just bought runners from Etsy, like, you know, dyed hand runners that create texture and a little bit of like a romantic feel. And then building a ton of candle, high candles, low candles, votive, floating, everything. You don't have to have florals on your table. So I think it's helpful to go into your budget and see, you know, if I don't have a lot of room for creating, you know, the centerpieces that I want, you know, your budget's $4,000, but your these photos that you love are like tall, huge centerpieces that are at least going to be 200 bucks a pop, at least. And you don't have room in the budget for that. So what else can you do? Where can you spend this money that you have to make the largest impact in the space. I think that's an important word that you keep saying is the impact. Mm. So you're taking the pictures, your inspiration, then you're going back and looking at the budget, and then you're really trying to be realistic about what is the quote-unquote impact that you want to get from the picture to make it realistic. I mean, obviously, if it's tall floor arrangements and they have it in their budget, well, then you're going to go and you're going to assist it and you're going to make it. Absolutely. But there's another way of creating that feeling Mm -hmm. maybe without having to tie into a budget that's not realistic. Right, exactly. So, you know, you have photos that have trellises with like hanging greenery and and florals and all that stuff. I mean, that could be a six to $10,000 installation right there. So you have to be realistic with yourself and look at your budget and be like, I don't have room for this. So let me remove those photos and let me go and look at weddings that, you know, I can create something out of this amount of money that I have. It's very helpful, like I said, to hire a planner. We're experienced. You know, we know how to manipulate the budget and and create impactful moments, um, you know, for your wedding without blowing your budget or taking out a loan. You don't want to do any of that for sure. So let's talk about planners. I mean, you talk a little bit about the budget and having the planners help you. So in your experience, if they do hire a planner, What can you help them with, say, for example, with the rentals? Right, exactly. So if they do hire us, you know, we create an entire vision board based on, you know, what we've discussed um, and their budget. But for rentals and things like that, that's super important. So, you know, say you only have five grand to upgrade rentals in your space, but you're you're working at, say, the Rosecliff and, and Blackstone's the caterer, and it already comes with flatware, china, glassware, all that stuff. Don't spend your money upgrading flatware, glassware, all of that. That's a waste of money because it's already included in the catering contract and your budget is so small. Save that money elsewhere to create, you know, a moment or something dramatic elsewhere. So, Caitlin, you talk about not upgrading their rentals if they're on a tighter budget. So what are some rentals and what are some things that they can do to make a very impactful space on a tighter budget? Good question. Um, I would say for sure, save your money on upgrading glassware and silverware and things like that because your caterer or your space already includes that. Say they already include that. Focus on chargers make a huge in- impact to a space. They can be anywhere from $4 to 12 depending on the ones that you choose. 
but it really elevates the table. You know, look at photos, go on Pinterest and look at photos without chargers. And you'll see it's like the napkin, the two silverware, maybe they have a menu on it, but it's pretty simple. If you want to really elevate that table, bringing a charger just creates a level of sophistication. It adds another element to that table. Um, It fills up a little bit more space on that table as well. That's such a great tip. Mm. Just chargers. Chargers or chairs too. Chairs can make a huge impact on a space. It can change. So say you go to a space and they have just basic white garden folding chairs. Changing it to the white Shivari ballroom chairs can be dramatic. It can just elevate add another element of sophistication, all that kind of stuff. It's just amazing what a chair can change a space, whether it's a light wood, a dark wood. Also, like I said before, like really viewing the space. So say you have dark wood flooring in the space that you're working and you don't want to bring in, you know, some lighter wood chair or things like that. You want to complement the space, but it can definitely elevate, you know, the table, the whole, you know, vibe of the reception room. How about linens? Linens, yeah. So linens for sure. I would say chargers, linens typically are included in the space. Normally they're just white, ivory, basic, which is fine. White is totally fine in a space. But if you want to add texture, you know, there are lace overlays and things like that that you can bring in that can create, um, you know, another level or layer. Yeah, another layer to the table. Um I would say for for linens, you know, like I said, you definitely want to look at the space and see what's there. You know, you don't want to go into a room and say it's a ballroom and there's blue carpeting or whatever. You don't want to go in and bring in like a purple linen because that's just going to clash depending on your florals and things like that. So you definitely sticking with neutrals, it's fine. The linens that they have, if they're white or ivory, just go to peek and do a mock up. You know what I mean? Go there pull out the white ta- the white linen or the ivory linen and do a table mock-up and see, like, do I like this? Do I want to add another layer, like a lace overlay or something like that to the, la- to the table to bring in, you know, a little bit more drama? So that's interesting because that also goes back to those pictures mm. of the space that you, ta- you took and looking at inspiration in the space because, like you said, you don't want to start getting into stuff that even though you like it, it starts to clash with your space. Right, exactly. You definitely don't want to do that. So, you know, say it's the Rose Cliff or something like that. I keep bringing up that space is it is what it is. You go into that space and it has the wallpaper and that beautiful cloud ceiling and, you know, the chair. It, you can't really do a lot to that space except with florals. You know, you don't want to bring a ton of colorful florals into that space because it's mostly gold wood white cream um, that kind of that kind of color palette so you don't want to go too crazy with bringing in some random color so it's very helpful to see photos of the space while you're doing the design i'm glad you actually brought up florals again because i was going to ask you is there certain things that our listeners should think about as far as florals when they should start to get into high arrangements versus low arrangements if they do have that floral budget is, yeah. there, is there like a formula that you stick to for them? For sure. If if you're working with a space that has high, high ceilings, doing tall arrangements can definitely help close that gap between the ceiling and the table. If you're working with a, a venue that has low ceilings, you don't want to create, you know, super tall arrangements um, that are going to be closer to the ceiling. It just doesn't make sense because you want to have that space a good amount of space between the table and the ceiling. Um, but tall arrangements can definitely help fill a space like the Belmere that has huge, tall, tall, tall ceilings. You want to add in some height because when you walk in, you don't want to see a flat table that just has, you know, florals, candles, all the same height. You want different heights. So whether it's having super tall tapered, tapered candles or a taller arrangement to kind of create different levels of um you know, height levels. So that way, when you walk in, your eye doesn't go to one thing. It's 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 looking all around the room. You're looking up, you're looking down, you're looking at the table, you're looking at the floral. So it's super helpful if you have tall ceilings to, to, to use a mixture of tall and low arrangements. Also, too, I think that that's another money saver, too. Mm-hmm. It's not just a visual, but mm-hmm. I mean, you can 
a couple tables can have the lower arrangements and a couple tables can have the higher arrangements. And Correct. therefore, that's a difference of sometimes $200 per oh, table. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Or even we've done tables that have, you know, say they want those tall arrangements, but then they don't really, you know, their budget doesn't really allow for lower arrangements on the other tables. Just fill it with candles, different heights. Like, Candles floating in water up top, tapered candles, votive candles, pillar candles. Like you could fill a table with. I love candles. I I can't get enough. Like you can never have enough tables. It makes a huge impact, especially when the lights go down later, which we'll talk about lighting in a little bit. But it creates a mood like, you know, in your home when you're having a dinner party, you light candle. It just creates this warmth, cozy feel. That's how you want your guests to feel when they're sitting at a table. They're going to be sitting there for an hour, hour and a half to two. You know what I mean? Having dinner. So you want that space to look beautiful. You know, Caitlin, you talked a little bit about like having that Pinterest board, having those three inspiration fold uh, um, photos and then having the budget and then making sure it's realistic for our listeners, because a lot of this sounds great for them. They go on and they look at these pictures. And I know we talked about the importance of actually looking at the pictures at the venue right. and not somewhere Super else. Super important. But can you t- t- explain to some people, I know we're talking about in, um, I mean, obviously, once you get quotes from companies, you'll be more detailed. But in averages, just overall, what are they looking at at some of these budgets? Because for someone who's just starting to plan, they might look at chargers, which you just talked about, $4 a charger. Mm -hmm. But can you explain to someone what sometimes upgrade of flatware would be or linens? Like, give them a a little bit of a range of, of what these things are looking at as far as price. Yeah, for sure. Chargers, like I said, four to twelve dollars. I mean, linens. It really depends on the style. I mean, they could be anywhere from you know fifteen up to sixty, eighty, ninety, depending on what you're selecting, the company that you're selecting, up to a hundred. So there's a wide range um, out there, and the same goes for you know flatware. Um, you know, it could anywhere be from a dollar sixty cents to four dollars, five, six dollars per silverware. So per so it four. adds up. It adds up real quick. That way, you know, that's that's what I'm talking about as far as like knowing what your budget is, knowing what you can afford, because, you know, if your rental budget is only to do upgrades is only $2,000, that budget is gone if you're changing flatware. Like it's, you know, so it can go really, really quick. That's good to know. So, I mean, like you said, if you have a $2,000 budget, that will be eaten up just by changing your flatware. Correct. Do you want to spend it on the flatware? You know what I mean? Or would you rather use the caterer silverware that's included? you know, and spend that 2000 on chargers or maybe changing up the chairs. Chairs can be anywhere from, you know, 5 to $12, $15 a, a chair. So it really can, you know, eat up your budget And you budget feel like that gives quickly. it more of a wow effect too. For sure, yeah. Chairs can definitely change the space, especially changing from like, you know, plastic garden folding chairs to upgrade to a nice wooden chair definitely changes the space. So, Caitlin, we talked a little bit about making sure that you work with the elements that are in your event and venue space. But what about someone who has a kind of a blank canvas? Right. Like, like a ten- a, Exactly. Tented, tented wedding. So we do tented weddings very often at Gathered East. I would say at least 70% of our clients are tented backyard weddings, whether it's a family home and it has sentimental value or they just found a field like Stoneacres Farm in Stonington that they love and they're doing a tented wedding there. That is a blank space. So you have to bring in everything, all of the rentals, like you're ordering the tent, you're ordering tables, chairs, linens, everything. So kind of where do you begin? Um, you know, obviously we talked about budget again is super important, um, but creating something that's super impactful for a tent um, would definitely be, you know, creating a design for a tent. You definitely want to make sure you're using your money where it is most impactful. So creating a wow factor moment, whether it's, you know, something, some lighting over the dance floor like chandeliers or things like that because you have to remember a tent has nothing so whether you're adding in bistro lighting which is kind of like the standard nowadays for tents making sure they're on a dimmer absolutely lights have to be on a dimmer for a tent you do not want a bright dance floor Um, but bringing in chandeliers over a dance floor can be super impactful especially since you have to understand your first dance your toasts your cake cutting the majority of all the major formalities are happening on that dance floor. So you don't want that space to be forgotten at all. I have so many clients who, 
you know, are asked me, you know, where should we be spending your money? Definitely the stage, too. You have to think about the stage, like covering that up. There's so many wires from the band and things like that. Do you put ferns in front of that to cover that? Because you, you have to understand when you're taking photos for the first dance, all that stuff, that's all going to be seen in the background. The stage the performers, you want that space to be beautiful. You know, I have so many times that photos come back and I'm like, oh, those cords on the ground or whatever. If we, You know, you should have added, you know, a little bit of greenery in front of that or draped it with, you know, a skirt or something like that. So I would say focusing on the dance floor and making sure that space looks beautiful. Repurposing flowers is huge for a tent. Every ceremony piece that you have, whether it's a, you know, aisle floor arrangements, two urns next on the centerpiece, you know, um, sorry, two urns for like the ceremony piece, that should all be repurposed. 100%. Like, do not have floral arrangements for your ceremony that you cannot move to the reception. It's unfortunately such a waste. And that's a huge portion of your budget. But like I said, all those, say you're doing ground arrangements for your ceremony that are in long boxes that go down the aisle, that all can be placed right in front of the dance floor. And we do that all the time. So a nice little tip for the listeners is start with their dance floor that area first Correct, and yes. then work your way out. Yeah, and work your way out for sure. Um, you know, tables, obviously you're going to be, you know, table arrangements are super important, making sure that, you know, you have beautiful linens and floral arrangements and things like that. But like I said, the majority of the photos are going to be taken on the dance floor. You know that, Sarah, like everything. All yeah. those photos are taken on the dance floor. You're going to get a few photos of people sitting at tables and things like that. But everything is on that dance floor. So even chandeliers that are hanging, you know, that are, you know, in the top portion of that photo are beautiful. It frames the photo. It's so beautiful. One thing I want to just kind of add, right, I know it's a little off topic, but it's something that's kind of important to speaking about decor, is as a photographer, you brought up a really good point for our listeners where, you know, I don't think a lot of people have thought about that. That's a little nugget, little secret that you gave them is that concentrate on the dance floor. I know as a photographer, I struggle a lot with DJing band equipment. Mm. I don't want them at that in the back of the uh, right. image. And then also, too, you struggle with an exit sign. Right. So you're giving the photographer a very small window of getting the right angle. I am always making sure that behind the, the, the subject, so that would be people speaking, doing the toast or the dancing, right. there's not an exit sign. Right. And there's not like the DJ's black speaker. Look, that's a little... Um, it's not a design tip, yes. but it's something to think about because it also does have to do with the overall feeling and the vibe. Right. So when they're taking these pictures that they're gathering for you, they may not know why they like it, but it's I, I, I bet you it doesn't have an exit sign in it. Right. And I bet you it doesn't have a black speaker <laughs> in it. Yeah, or like a bunch of wires hanging right. on the floor. So it's really important for people to understand. Like They, they, they look at a picture and they, they just like it, but we're going to tell them why they like it. Right, exactly. So I love the fact that you told them to concentrate on the dance floor because that is a good portion of where their images are going to be mm -hmm. and their takeaway from for that sure. day. And so... Maybe for the listeners, ask your band or your DJ what they're taking for gear. Because I know a lot of DJs, they'll blend their gear in. Like they'll have white speakers or white right. coverings for it right. um, in a white room. Or if you're having a band, unfortunately, you can't blend the band in, you know, but you can do it with, a little, like you said, a little ferns. Or, you know, the photographer could also <laughs> have a certain angles to bring in the design right. aesthetics yes. that they have placed there. So... If you have a – I know for me, I am looking at the decor that's there and making sure – so they have hanging chandeliers. I'm making sure that that is in their picture. Right. And it's all around the dance floor. It's a team effort. I love it. I love that you brought that up, though, because that is something that a professional photographer should be understanding to get in the picture. So go back and look at your inspiration pictures Absolutely. and see if you see any cords mm -hmm. and see if you see any exit signs and see if you see any speakers. Right. I guarantee you don't. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's ways that you can. I mean, you as a professional photographer, like, you know, those good angles where you can kind of get some of the guests in the background and them doing their first look. But it's all about masking, you know, but the guests still see all this. So say your photos don't but your guests still see all that they see the cords running everywhere or whatever you cannot have that it's it's such a big 
you know, Eyesore. focal point. <laughs> yeah, it's such a big, big focal point that, like I said, those ceremony arrangements that you have can be used to go in front of that stage or dance floor. Or, you know, I've seen so many sad DJ <laughs> booths. You know, you have a DJ on a poor little eight foot table with a little cloth over it and that's all you got. And it's like that doesn't create an environment for dancing. You know, it's all about creating an environment for your guests to, you know, want to have fun, want to dance. And it's all about, you know, that'll help go into lighting as well. But it's definitely about visually where are your guests looking? What are they looking at the entire night? And then making sure that space looks beautiful. Before we take a break, because when we get back from the break, I do want to talk about lighting Mm -hmm. and creating that that mood. What about, especially in a tented area, you have a lot of room for lounge furniture or little nooks and little crannies to create like lounge. Mm -hmm. I know, let's talk a little bit about what people are looking for and budget with that Mm -hmm. and talk a little bit about what they can do with that. Yes, for sure. Tents are amazing. I mean, you can obviously get larger tents to create, you know, we've create bar areas that are like just like a bar you'd walk into a hotel. So it's, you know, they're high bars. They're not these little eight foot tables with linens over them. Like you want to create a space that's fun for your guests to kind of hang out with because the bar is also the second place that they're going to dance floor bar. Those are the two places that they're going to be most of the night. So, um, you know, creating lounge areas that are next to the dance floor for guests to kind of, you know, escape the dance floor, but also they love watching. So we recommend not having these lounge areas outside of the tent. Um, If possible, we like having them in the tent. It kind of keeps guests inside, keeps that that vibe, that energy going as well. But it's also nice, like I said, for guests to have kind of like a space to chill and relax. I mean, it's just like if you were you were to go to a bar, you know, you want a place to sit and enjoy a cocktail and and see what's going on. It's all about to the floor plan. I like how you talked about trying to keep the lounge furniture inside the area instead of outside, because I don't think a lot of people understand. I think in theory it looks great Mm. and they think it looks great, but I don't think they realize the practicality. As your night becomes dark, people tend to not go outside. Right. Unless you have it lit. You know what I mean? If you have, you know, if you have a floor on a tent and you extend the flooring out past the tent and you create bistro lights over it and you're doing it right and you create this space, that's fine. But just to throw some couches outside with a candle, no one's going to go out there after dark. It's pitch black out there. (laughs) And there's bugs sometimes. So actually, with that said, that's a great place to take a break because when we get back, we're going to talk about lighting. Perfect. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. And don't forget, you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And I would so appreciate if you left a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support. And now, let's get back to the episode. Well, welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. So right before the break, Caitlin, we were talking a little bit about placement of the rentals and the decor items. Before we get into lighting, I have a question for you. Can you tell me a little bit more why it's so important for the placement of these items? Absolutely. So say if you have, you know, a photo booth or cigar bar, we're referring to, you know, a tented space now. So say, you know, you have these other elements that you want to bring to your wedding. It is super important to have these, like we talked about lighting. You have to remember it's going to be pitch black. Look at and see what time the sun sets for your reception. That's key. And then, you know, if you are bringing in a photo booth, you don't want this photo booth outside pitch black. No one's going to go out there. It's, you know... and have the restrooms close and things like that. Um, but we kind of like to bump those those photo booths like right up to the tent. Like get it close to the tent, especially if it's going to rain. It's a great rain plan situation. Um, so you want to make sure that you have enough room in your tent to have all these elements. Cigar bar, unfortunately, you can't put under the tent. But like we said, close enough outside. And then make that space you know, create that space. Don't Just don't throw a bar cart out there with some cigars and, and you know, some candles you know you want to create a space out there for it so properly lighting it making sure that you have a ton of lanterns or whatnot you know and having either bistro lighting like we said strung over the space for you know photo booth you know cigar bar all that kind of stuff to create an inviting space for guests to want to go out there and enjoy those things like lawn games those are really only cocktail hour unfortunately because after dark you know you're not going out there to play bocce or you know 
toss some cornhole, which that's a whole nother story. I really am not a fan of lawn games at weddings, but that's just How me. about day weddings? <laughs> How about day weddings, though? I mean, day weddings, yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, day weddings, it's nice to create spaces outside, um, but. but you still want everything to be close together. You know, if you're having a 100-person wedding and you have all these other activities, like you have lawn games, you have this everybody's going to be scattered. It's not going to, people aren't going to want to be on the dance floor because you're pulling them in so many different directions to do all these different things. I was just about to say that. That's why I said, but because I know even, so I, I don't have such a love hate relationship with um, games and you do, but I know, know. but I do for the reception portion. Yes. If you're having a day wedding, first off at night, People don't understand that they're not going out. So right. cancel that, guys. Right. After, uh, if you're having a night wedding, after cocktail hour, say goodbye to your long games. If you're having a day wedding, I think it's really important to understand that you're pulling people mm-hmm. out of that tent. And you spent all this money on your amazing amazing band or DJ. You want people dancing. And you want the dance floor to feel packed. So if you're providing all these extra activities for guests to do... They're going to be off doing those extra activities and not on the dance floor. And then you're going to have, you know, 10, 12 people on the dance floor. And that's just not what you want. A successful wedding is like a packed dance floor, people partying. That's what you want. So maybe what they do is if they have long games on a day wedding, pull it after that point. Have their event corner, shut it down. Cocktail hour is great. Exactly. Cocktail hour is great for all that. Cigar bar, don't put that out until like, you know, the last hour of the event where, you know, the guys have been drinking or the ladies and they want to have like a cigar that's totally fine or with dessert but don't offer them throughout the entire night it's a little overwhelming and like we said we want that dance floor to be packed you want to create a fun space on the dance floor and if you're having multiple events it's just hard to you know keep everybody in one space so timing and placement placement of of your design and elements is really important and that leads into placement you know under the tent for lighting so you know, where is your dance floor? Is your dance floor pushed up against the side of the tent where your lighting company who is running chandeliers, the chandeliers will be low because, you know, they can only string the wire from the middle poles. So do you want your dance floor in the center of the space on the outside? You know, it it, it all depends on what you're having for lighting. Um, but lighting is a big topic, so I'm excited that you brought that up. It can change a space. I mean, lighting totally transforms a space. Anytime a client shows me a photo, I'm like, that's up lighting. That's up lighting. That's pin spot lighting. The reason why you love this specific photo is because of the feel that you're getting from it. So whether we talked about like a ton of candles on the table, which creates, you know, you also have to remember this, the sun sets. So you're going to have two different vibes for your wedding. You have a daytime vibe for the ceremony, cocktail hour, then the sun sets and you're having dinner and then the dancing portion begins. So you also want to remember that, you, you know, the lighting under the tent should be on a dimmer. Absolutely. That is non-negotiable. It has to be on a dimmer. You do not want a bright dance floor. You know, you want that dance floor to be dim, you know, for guests to want to have fun and like, you know, let loose a little bit after a few drinks. Yeah, I also noticed, too, sometimes at the venues, um, they it's the same thing. They 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 dim the lights and then they bring on the up lighting. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about pin lighting. Mm. You kind of threw that in there. And I bet you for the listeners, not everybody knows what that is. Yeah. So pin lighting is when you take a spotlight and you shine it on one specific thing. So if you're putting pin lighting on centerpieces, that really makes your centerpieces pop. So you've maybe spent all this money. Say you spent $200, $300 each on these tall arrangements. To make them really pop and shine is a pin light that goes on it. And it's just like a round kind of light it could be a wash or whatever but it goes right onto that centerpiece or on the cake table or on something that you want to be the focal point and it just draws your eye to it and it illuminates it because you have to remember at night all the lights are dim so the only thing that's going to be you know illuminated is something that you you know candles on the table or the chandelier so adding up lighting is like Uplighting is the minimum. I always tell people the base of your event should start with uplighting and maybe a few pin pin lighting if you have room in the budget for that. Which so you feel that almost every event you would like to see in their budget, uplighting. Lighting, lighting, definitely production lighting. I feel like it makes a huge difference on a space for sure. Like I cannot stress it enough. When you walk into a space and there's this energy level or you f- have see that like candlelit glow, it's like that amber glow, that's uplighting. That's all uplighting. And it can change throughout the night. So 
you know, we're designing a wedding next year that's going to be an all white reception, which is really cool. But the thing that changes it is the lighting. So when the guests walk in, it's all white. And then throughout the night for the dancing portion, we have blue, we have purple. It changes the space. That creates an energy too. Like color is energy. So when you see, when you go to a wedding that's like very vibrant in color, you feel more happy, you're uplifted, your energy is totally different. When you go to a wedding that's a little bit more white and green, it's a more relaxed, romantic feel. So, you know, lighting can totally change the mood and the vibe of a space. Absolutely. What are they looking at for budget, roughly, when it just comes to the basic lighting? I know it ranges in prices, but tell our listeners a little bit about if it's so important and it gives them such a great feel and you're seeing that 90% of the images have to do with lighting, what are they looking at for their budget to set aside for that? I would say two grand is the minimum for uplighting. I mean, you know, if you don't want to hire a production lighting company, sometimes your band, ask your band or your DJ might have an uplighting wash. Definitely get photos of what that wash looks like. You want to make sure it's, I mean, the only wash we really use is like an amber. It's like a straw film that goes over, um, the, the light. I'm not a lighting professional, but that's what it's called. It's an amber glow. Um, but yeah, anywhere it starts at $2,000. It can go up a lot from there, depending on if you're adding pin lighting and things like that or a wash over the dance floor. Um, but like I said, talk to your DJ, talk to your band. Sometimes they have up lighting. Um, but even if you have bistro lighting under a tent, up lighting can still help a lot for sure. Bring in color, bring in warmth. You know, it just adds another layer. Yeah, a lot of people ask us when it comes to photography, they um there's there's different colors mm. to what uplighting that you talked about. Um some people don't like the certain colors because it does reflect off of their skin. Correct. So you do have to take in consideration that when you start bringing in the colors, mm-hmm. Have that during your party, your dancing. Yeah, exactly. Do not do colors during the dinner service. It should be an amber, a candlelit tone, very basic. You know, it's almost like golden hour in your tent. So you're pulling the colors from golden hour, and that's what you're getting in your tent. Who doesn't want to be photographed during golden hour? I mean, that's like that's what uplighting is. It's just bringing in that those colors into your tent or into your space, the ballroom. But, yes, dancing, you can totally change. So, like, we talked about that space purple blue like you know you think of going to a club or vegas or whatever and like those elements when you're in a club or you're in a dancing environment like that it's all about the lighting you know if you took that all away it would just be a room with music but the lighting creates that like energy level that people want to get down on the dance floor i can't tell you the difference it makes you know for the energy for a reception you know it just totally changes the vibe for sure. So, Caitlin, you were talking a little bit about lighting and pin lighting. You know, I know that there's a lot of little, like, for lack of better terms, gimmicks that they can, mm-hmm. that people can do with their space. I mean, we talked about the design and the colors and, and the Pinterest board and the florals and the rentals. But now everything's happening and their party's going on. There's some little gimmicks, I guess, for lack of better terms, that they could talk about that that people can do. Uh, one of them is, like, you know, pin lighting, spotlighting when they're doing their first dance. Mm-hmm. Another thing is... When people are getting married in the winter, have a snow machine. Yes, for sure. That's so cool. Absolutely. I mean, especially if you're getting married in like January, February in New England, snow is not a guarantee. So bringing in a snow machine is absolutely amazing, especially for like the photos or the ceremony aspect. So many times I want a client. I'm just dreaming of this. I I sit at home and I have like all these fantasies (laughs) of of weddings that I want to do. And I'm like, I just need the client for it. But So many times I'm like, why are winter weddings so, like, taboo here? It's like New England, like, the summer is the hot month. And it's the hot month. Literally, it is the hot month. But winter weddings can be amazing. Like, you know, there's Colorado. There's so many places that still do outdoor weddings. But New England hasn't jumped on board with outdoor ceremonies yet. And I feel like, yes, snow machine for sure, like, Bring in that next element to kind of like level up your ceremony if you're doing it in the winter. Or, or the, also, too, like a lot of times people see the monograms on the walls, but you, for example, can have monograms with design. So yes. there was like snowflakes that you can do. I'm not only talking about this because I just did an mm-hmm. event that they had the snow, like the guests walked in 
They had like the snow machine happening. They yes. had monogram snowflakes all around their room, which is all lighting. Oh, yes, absolutely. All lighting. Yeah, and you can do, I mean, monogram decals is, is big right now for sure, like vinyl decals. On the bar, you can do, you know, like sip, sip, hooray or whatever. It's not that expensive to add a vinyl decal to something or even the dance floor, putting your initials on that. I mean, there's also lighting companies that can, you know, um, shadow something on the dance floor so say you have a logo or a crest they can they can you know spot that on the dance floor for you as well there's so many options as far as like decals lighting all of that caitlin you brought up such a good point for i mean we i'm still working in the winter i know you're still working in the winter mm-hmm. however it is i mean for lack of better terms quote unquote slower right. i guess what i'm trying to say is in the summer i'll get four or five phone calls on one day in mm-hmm. the winter maybe one or two yeah, I don't know why in New England not no one's on board, and it's I mean, they, because they are, it's but not not tons, right? And it's like we said, it's because you know winters are you know gray and gloomy in New England, but you can change that. You can totally change that, and not only that, but say you're on a tight budget, winter is a great time to save money and do a little bit more to create you know, something that's unique. But for some reason, I don't know why New England, we, we haven't jumped on board with the, the winter weddings Let yet. me tell you, bingo, you just you just nailed it. We, we sat here and we talked a ton about decor and right. making impactful space and budget. You want more bang for your buck? It's winter. Winter, for sure. Absolutely. And I love winter color palettes are amazing. There's so many amazing indoor venues. But you can have a ceremony outside. Your guests will wear coats. We go outside. We're New Englanders. We're used to this. We're used to rain, snow, sleet, whatever. You can have an outdoor ceremony. It's only 20 minutes. Most of them nowadays are only 20 minutes. So you could do something really beautiful like we've seen stuff where you know guests are provided with beautiful shawls and things like that you can have heaters fire pits now fire pits you can do tented clear tent outdoor weddings those are made for winter like you cannot have a see-through tent in the summer it is a hot box i'm so happy you brought that up so when i got married i got married in august and i always wanted the clear top uh, tent. Uh, I, no, it was not going to happen on my way. I had to forego that. But oh, geez, you can have these beautiful. Oh my gosh, clear it's a dream. Imagine getting married outside under a clear tent and it's snowing. It's January. It's snowing, and not only that, but you're working with the lighting is dark at four, so you get amazing lighting already. You don't yep. have to wait for the sun to set. It's like winter is such a great time. I'm hoping the trend changes and we, we can start seeing a lot more winter weddings. But yeah, you can get those clear tents that you can't get in the summer and do beautiful bistro lighting. And like, you know, you can get heaters in there. I mean, you can you can definitely warm up a space. You don't be freaked out about having a tented wedding in December. Add heaters. It's not that hard. Also, too, for the listeners, a lot of these venues, if you if it was not a tented wedding, a lot of the venues are already decorated for, for the holidays. For the holidays, yes. So I'm not saying you have to get married on the and uh, uh, around the holiday season, but they carry on that decor sometimes throughout January and February. Mm-hmm. So money now, saver, money saver. Yeah, I was just about to say that <laughs> money saver. The one thing I want to say for you guys who are listening, though, if you are having a um, a winter wedding, just be conscious of the light as far as it does get darker earlier, which is great for your reception, but you have to figure out the timing of your ceremony. Absolutely. And yeah. your pictures. Have an after, but that's the great thing about that is that you can have an earlier wedding in the winter. Like you could do a one o'clock ceremony going into cocktail hour and then a dinner. Like you could just do a cocktail hour party. There's so many options in the winter that you can do. And Caitlin, you know, there's so much conflicting stuff happening in the summer, like people's commitments that Mm -hmm. not a lot's going on in the winter. So now you're giving your guests something to do. Absolutely. And, you know, now with the pandemic and how things have have shifted and people are booking so far in advance like 2023 we're getting requests for now i got 2024 by the way oh my god but see that's what i'm talking about dates are going quick like you're not going to be able to get married this year it's too late you know depending on the venues are booking up so fast but then shift gears like why not do a winter or a late fall wedding i mean it would be amazing so caitlin i want to tell you a little bit about a, a winter event that i just did um, this was actually was before the holidays. It was during um, December. I did a company party that I always do for a company and that they didn't have their company party last year. So this year they really went all out. And they had it at the Renaissance in Providence. 
And you talked about leaning into the colors of the venue. Yes. So for the listeners, I'm just going to kind of paint a picture of what they did. And it kind of goes <laughs> back down to what you can do in the winter. Yes. So I walked in and the carpet in that place is, if you haven't been to the Renaissance for those listeners, it's like a, like, like a baby blue and yellow. It's very corporate-y. But it's so funny because I walked in. I'm like, what happened to this space? <laughs> and it was all a bunch of lighting and everything yes. we're talking about, linens. It was one big cocktail hour, so there wasn't flatware or anything like that. And they had a lot of layers of high boys and low, and like high boy tables and cocktail tables, mm-hmm. so a lot of height. Mm-hmm. And they had the snow machine going. They actually hired the the fake tree people, which um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, that's out there, guys. It's, it's a very thing. Disney. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. But they, so they had these fake tree people that were kind of moving around in the space. They had monogram uh, snowflake lighting. And That's then around amazing. there, and then you talk about the focus of the dance floor. They nailed it. Mm-hmm. So for them, it was a company party. So they just had cocktail hour for four hours. But basically, they had stations all around. But around their dance floor, they had um, uh, basically stringed holiday lighting. White, like yeah. what, what am I looking for? That word. Which, well, uh, the, you're talking about. Just white bistro lighting, not or bistro, just the white like Christmas Christ, lighting. Christmas lighting, yeah. Well, that drew your eye away from the ugly carpet, right? So what they did <laughs> is they they took they took um, basically one big square and and, and pipe and drape, but it wasn't mm-hmm. drapes, but like the piping, yeah. And they hung from the top of the piping all the way down Christmas lights, yes. And it just circled the entire space, so like your eye, like you said, went up, went up, yeah, exactly. And there was you're so, drawing your eye to something else. You're not focusing on the ground, on the ground, yeah. and there was so much um light blues that the carpet blended in yeah and between the up lighting in the room that they used to do the the, the very f- light blues and the snowflakes that were on the walls and the christmas lighting around the dance floor they did not have their lights on at all at the venue yeah that's amazing it was great right it's all because honestly, all drama it was all drama yeah. and it was all Trends, gimmicks, absolutely. Because it it literally was one big cocktail hour. The only thing they had was linens. Mm-hmm. There was no flatware. There was no florals. Yeah. It just was a ton of lighting and a ton of like snow machine. Just like these little things that just added up to. The and thing. that's a good point right there is ballroom lighting. So if you're working with a venue that's a ballroom and they have the standard lighting and you can't really hang maybe chandeliers from the ceiling or whatever. You want to go to that space, go to that space and say, okay, I want you to show me the lighting that it's going to look like for the reception. Have them show you. And it may be too bright. So then you need to be like, okay, I, we need to cut those lights out altogether and then bringing something like you have with up lighting or whatever to create a space. But that is super key. What you just touched on is to go to the venue and see what the lighting is like during the time of day that you're getting married in the reset. Right. Can they dim the lights? No. Then you need to bring in up lighting or do a cool install like that over the dance floor. That's and, amazing. And the other thing is, too, is that that venue has no windows because mm-hmm. the, the ballroom is in the basement. Right. So you think about that, and as a listener, you're like, oh, ballroom in the basement. But you can create magic. Magic. Because (laughs) everything was inside. Everything was no windows, no nothing to compete with your eye. So anyway, it's just thinking outside the box, which kind of leads me to my next question for you. For the listeners, I want you to give them some takeaways of some secrets and tips and trends. What Mm. are you seeing for the trends? Yes, trends. I love it. We are seeing a ton of color. I mean, this past year was color. All of my clients who postpone We've, we redid their vision boards and mostly everybody was like, we want color. I think people want just, you know, after what we've gone through, they want to feel happy. They want to feel uplifted. So bringing color into a space was huge for that. Baby's breath is huge as well. That is a money saver. I mean, it's went from such a taboo flower to nobody wants it in their floral arrangements to now it's like the star of the centerpiece. Oh, really? Absolutely. We did a wedding this past summer at Stoneacres and we spray painted the baby's breath pastel so it was like an ombre explosion going down the table in like blues and light yellows and pinks and purple you can spay baby's breath any color you want it's a little bit of a pain for the florist but it is absolutely amazing and it can transform a space and we are actually talking about doing like an install over a dance floor next year that makes it look like it's a cloud over the dance floor just all baby's breath it's really really cool it's so funny because a lot of times people wonder if they should hire an event planner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just the ideas that event planner can bring to people 
is... That's all we do is think of ideas. <laughs> I, right. I mean, you guys see it all. Right. That for somebody that, you know, wants a, a wow effect, maybe on a tighter budget, mm-hmm. and or also, too, have a great budget. Right. Event planner can just bring so much. Absolutely. So for sure. So many ideas. You can work with anybody's budget. That's why you first said it's important to understand someone's Absolutely. budget. Absolutely. Yes. And, and as far as, like, creating that wow factor, that's super important. You know what I mean? So say your bud- floral budget is thin, but you want to create a wow factor. Like, like we said, maybe you create an installation over the dance floor that's, like, you know, greenery and florals hanging or like I talked about that baby's breath cloud or something really cool. And then your tables are a little bit more simple with just candles, tons of candles. Um, You know, that would be your wow factor over the dance floor moment. But yeah, trends for sure. I would say color is a huge trend. Baby's, Baby's breath became a huge trend. Um, we're seeing a lot more attention to lighting, like we talked about, up lighting, chandeliers, things like that. And then as far as you know, the wedding itself, moving to more of a cocktail style reception we're seeing as a trend too. Um, kind of where guests are, are sick of sitting, doing the full two hours of sitting through appetizer, entree, dessert. They want to be up. They want to be moving. Dancing is more important to them. The party aspect is more important to them than the sit down formal dinner. So, you know, doing mini dance sets, you know, having your guests have dance sets in between the courses is huge. So your guests aren't just sitting at a table, you know, talking to each other, staring at each other. You know, mini dance sets really help a lot kind of move the event along and get people excited for the main dancing portion of the evening. So you see a lot of people do more of a cocktail style reception is what you're saying or extending their cocktail hour? Extending cocktail hour for sure. Like say if you're not doing a first look and you want to extend cocktail hour for an hour and a half, that way you have time to do your photos. But then you can also attend cocktail hour. That's, you know, definitely a new trend that we're seeing or we're seeing, you know, guests aren't don't want to do the sit down dinner portion like they just want to have a party, you know, after COVID, they, all this stuff, they just want to have a party with all of their friends and family. So they're doing more like, you know, a still a cocktail party. But then for the dinner portion, like tapas or heavier past apps or mm. stations and things like that, where guests aren't like, yeah. you know, they've filled up on cocktail hour. Now they're going for a full sit down dinner. Sometimes they're not really that hungry. So this kind of, you know, each hour you can give something else. Like one station opens up in a few hours or you have a taco truck that comes or whatever in different elements. So it's more of an event. Yeah. Then it's, you know, a formal sit down dinner. Yeah, It creates movement. Again, it all lends itself to the the event space. I mean, obviously something like a rose cliff to me lends itself to more of a sit Sit down. down. Exactly. That's why you have to go, you know, and that that goes back to the beginning of the venue selection election you know do you have your heart set on a specific venue like the Rosecliff then you know you can only do these certain things there you can't do a taco you can't do any of that so it's super important like what is most important to you on your wedding day is it you know the the party aspect you want to make sure that guests are on the dance floor or is it the food portion or whatever then you kind of want to see you know what venue fits your style and that's how you transform it to be very exactly I know yes so, Caitlin, that brings us to our wrap-up question. What are some key points that couples should be thinking about when designing their event space and location to be the most impactful with their decor? I would say first, definitely take your venue into consideration. You know, whether it is outside tented and you have this beautiful backdrop of the ocean or it's inside a ballroom and you're working with golds and maroons, you definitely want to take your venue into consideration when designing. From there, look at photos from the venue and see exactly what they've done. You don't have to you don't have to go with what they've done, but see in that space kind of what they've done to transform, um, you know, it into an event space. Take a look at other weddings that have happened there. See what you like. See what you don't like. It's very important to look at photos from that venue. And then finally, I would say for me, it's lighting. Lighting is key. Lighting is huge. It's so overlooked. Um, It really transforms a space, like we said, creating an energy, creating a feel. Lighting does all of that. So whether it's a ton of candles, up lighting, pin lighting that we talked about, various different lighting, but I would say that creates a huge impact on a space like you can cover lighting in an entire ballroom and like you said that room the only thing that transformed that room for you when you walked in to be that wow factor was the lighting 
It's huge. No, you probably didn't even look at the florals first off. You didn't even look at the tables because you were just mind blown about the, and it's so simple. (laughs) I didn't even look at the carpet, but the only reason why I did is because I was trying to think to myself. What's different? What's different here? Exactly, because you were in that space. But if, so say a lot of times too, guests have never been to that space before. This is brand new. So they're walking into this space. So lighting can totally transform. And like you said, you wouldn't have looked at the car. You would have just looked at the I only did it because I'm in the industry. Exactly. You would have, exactly. You have the design eye. Yeah. I wanted to know what they were doing to lean into right. the venue. A hundred percent. But lighting really up lighting tr- is a major, major player in transforming a space. Not just chandeliers. Chandeliers are fun. They don't provide extra lighting. It's just, you know, an, another element of design. But that's not your main source of lighting. Like when clients are like, oh, we'll just add chandelier. I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's beautiful to look at, but it does nothing for the space. You know what I mean? That's not your main source of lighting is these chandeliers or the bistro lighting. You should have some uplighting that creates a glow. And like we said, not color, just amber, warm, romantic, candlelit lighting. So many good little tips that you gave us today. Oh, my God. This was so much fun. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this week's Wedding Secrets Unveiled. You helped our listeners become one step closer to their journey of a stress-free planning. Can you tell us where they can find you? Absolutely. So we're on Instagram at gatheredeast.com. Oh, well, Instagram, gatheredeast, and then gatheredeast.com. Yeah, and also what I'll do, Caitlin, is for our listeners, I'll have all your information on the episode show notes that are on my blog at sarahzarella.com slash podcast. Great. Well, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Wedding Secrets Unveiled. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to tell you something. I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. We love photographing while having fun, of course. Check out our podcast page on our website for our show notes along with upcoming episodes with your local wedding experts. Listen in as we help you plan your epic event. And don't forget that you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate if you left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support and let us know what you think. If you know any wedding experts that would like to be a guest, We have a link directly on our website where they can let us know. Thank you for listening.